Radio Pulpit, 657 AM, your daily companion. Man, that is a sound of sounds of sounds of sounds. Yeah, Mpo, Mpo, Mpo won't know this one. Pela, this one, ah, Mpo. Ah, 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 ye. This is not an 80s sound. 1972. <laughs> Mpo will definitely not know this one. That's Bill Withers, my family, bringing us to 20 minutes before the top of the hour. And that's taken from his album, Steel Bill, uh, a Grammy Award. And that that song in particular uh, was also the uh, soundtrack for the movie Lean On Me. And uh, it also won a Grammy Award for Best R&B Song. Uh, absolute great uh, songwriters on the song. Uh, uh, great music, my family, here on Radio Pulpit, 19 minutes before the top of the hour. So before we get into this conversation, absolutely looking forward to it. Let me send my shout out and uh, just acknowledgement this afternoon, first of all, to Annalie Coleman, who is a journalist and columnist at Farmers Weekly, because it is through her that we were introduced um, to this incredible organization whose work basically looks at uh, protecting and uh, looking at uh, not just protecting, actually uh, just advocating for the safety uh, and well-being around fires. Uh, it is the Free State Umbrella Fire Protection Association. And we're chatting to CEO, Mr. Johan Brayton, by who's standing by on the line. I can't wait to hear Everything that I want to know about felt fires, and I'm sure my family, because we are in that season, that you too will learn a thing or two, particularly for those of us with friends and family that are stationed in those areas, you know, those felt, those uh, open felt areas where there's usually felt fires. Some of us have family living next to those areas, so we really just want to learn and be equipped with as much information as possible. So we asked you earlier on, uh, you know, let's just settle this 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 contest between water bottles and uh, electric blankets and here's Vona Vona L, uh, L Wilson rather is coming through on 0826572729 so Vona says hey 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 let me tell you for me it's that hot water bottle Vona that was me for many many years and here's the reason and i think the reason is absolutely classic she says you can carry it <laughs> incognito even to church. Yes, I agree. Nobody's going to look at you funny. Take that water bottle, my sister, and hide it behind whatever. You know, to church. But you can't drag the electric blanket to church. Anyway, so do share with us, my family, what is your preference? And uh, what are those habits that really, really get you side-eyed at home? Do you walk around in thick pajamas the whole day? Do you drag blankets? You know, do you make a noise? Do you open windows? 0826572729. Thank you, Varna. As we said earlier on, my family, the issue of uh, felt fires uh, has been reported widely and the latest report is showing uh, that uh, it looks like the Free State is carrying the load for the most dangerous felt fires that have been seen so far in the season. And so joining us on the line is Mr. Johan Breitenbach. Uh, Johan, good afternoon and thank you so much for giving us your time. Good afternoon, Ayanna. It's an absolute pleasure to be with you. Yeah. So first and foremost, let's understand, Johan, uh, what is the Free State Umbrella Fire Protection Association and what do you do? Okay. To, to, that's quite a technical question, but let me put it in, a, in, in very simple terms. Yes. 
the National Felt and Forest Fire Act is, uh, regulates how we deal with felt fires in, in this country, about who's responsible for what. What is what as a landowner and land user is your responsibility? Sure. Hmm. Okay. And in terms of that act, there has been provision made for the establishment of of a community based specialist organization that, that is termed a fire protection association. Hmm. Those fire protection associations are non governmental organizations and they function within a specific area and then as an overhead organization hmm. for the province to, to do a lot of coordination, to do resource sharing, to provide common services in the Free State Province, we've got the Umbrella Fire Protection Association. Right. So we support FPAs, we support disaster management, but we specialize in the management of felt fire risk. Right, right, right. Johan, if I'm listening to you correctly, it looks like there's a, a quite a lot of stakeholders whose work sort of overlaps within this whole felt fire space, if I should put it that way. And, 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 and what are some of the, are there any difficulties in those relationships at all? Because I'm trying to think in my head that, right, so when there's a felt fire, if then the landowner is responsible, what happens if the landowner does not have capacity to, to uh, contain the fire? Okay, so that's exactly what we need to do. So right. part of our task is we don't just fight fires. You must understand we not we don't fight fires. Some something that we do do. We have some resources. Sure. We work extremely closely with the working on fire program, mm. which you probably have heard from before. So the working on fire program is a resource that's made available to us to provide assistance to landowners, but it's not our task and our, our, our function to go and exclusively fight fires on behalf of landowners. Sure. They also need to take up their responsibility, not only in terms of fighting the fires, but also in terms of doing the necessary taking steps to manage the risk. This means the landowner needs to have make sure that they've got equipment available reasonably to felt, uh, fight felt fires. Mm. They need to engage in making preparations for the fire season, put fire breaks in place. So it becomes very, very technical. Sure. And then to, to, to go far back to the first part of your question, hmm. there's a lot of stakeholders, and you are right. Hmm. And the key to this is, is that we need to, we sit around uh, um, on common forums and we engage and we create platforms for multilateral engagement mm. with various types of landowners. So it becomes a very, very technical situation mm. because it's not just farmers. There's a lot of people that are land users out there, right. multiple land use practices, mm. and they all get impacted to a degree by cell fires. Sure. Johan, let me skip right to this question. My curiosity is just getting the better of me here. Why exactly do we need felt fires? Okay, so what we, we've got to distinguish between wanted felt fires because South Africa is largely, and actually Africa is largely a fire-adapted environment. Right. What does so, that mean? So what that means is that the na- nature out there uses fire to its benefit oh. for certain plant species to to proliferate and for and to keep out certain plant species. So so fire has got an ecological 
um, function right. that, it, that it has as a natural as a natural process. Where the problem, however, comes in, Ayanda, hmm. is, is that where humans interface and interact with nature, we have increased amounts of unwanted sulfide. Right. So if we, so this is referred to. What is referred to as the natural frequency of fires occurring is referred to as a fire regime. Mm. Now, where the problem comes in, where we have more fires than what should be the natural rhythm, we have ecological degradation that takes place and high impact. And, of course, what also happens, except for that that happens, is the fire is dangerous. We have people that die, it destroys infrastructure, um, uh, it causes a lot, a lot of knock-on effects. Mm-hmm. So just the fire itself becomes a danger, and we need to manage those risks and keep people safe within an environment that is fire adapted. Does that make sense? No, absolutely, hundred percent. So who starts? Okay, let's let, let's deal with the two types of fires. There's the unwanted fire, and then there's yes. the necessary fire. So who starts the unwanted fire? If it's unwanted, how does it start in the first place? Okay, so so there's a there's a number of reasons why fires start. Mm. So there's a, some of the natural reasons why fires start is, uh, is is lightning. I mean, it's easy to understand that lightning starts cell fires, but that comes at a certain time, normally just before the rainfall season. Really? And yes, and wow. what then happens is, is that we have most more than eighty five percent of unwanted fires are caused by humans um, in, their, in their day-to-day going about things, people that, that would be careless, welding in the open cell. Hmm. Um, there's some, some, a small degree of malicious ignitions that take place. Hmm. We've got infrastructure. We've got vehicle accidents. We've got uh, quite a lot of different causes of these, which we then bundle together under, under human cause. And then the largest part of that is, is then negligence, okay, due to, to human, human negligence that these fires start. Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, Johan, what then causes a, a wildfire, uh, whether it's wanted okay. or unwanted? What, yeah, what fuels a wildfire? Okay, so, so, there's a, there's a, so when, we, when we say that we've got a war, what we're trying to establish is when a fire is burning, Mm. and it's burning under the right conditions, and we can make sure that it's not going to cause damage to property, mm. where we can say, okay, well, we, there's two ways. We might have started the fire ourselves under, under pre-selected conditions to say, well, this is, these are the conditions how we want this fire to happen, and it might sound strange to you, but it's quite possible to, to create a fire um, by, by uh, technically the way that you ignite it, to make it a cool fire, to, to, to create a, a fire that burns fierce and hot. Mm. Um, and, 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 and so there's a, there's a couple of technicalities around this. So that is a controlled burn. So, so that we want. And then when the fire might not have been ignited by us, but we are quite happy that in this area there hasn't been a, there's a need for fire to go through it mm. because there hasn't been a fire going through in the last five or six or seven years. You sit with a lot of old, dead, sour, moribund uh, material and sure. things like that. Mm, then we mm, complain mm. it, and we, we've got control over it. When a wildfire starts, means that it's under conditions where we have no control over it, and it's busy burning very fast. It's destroying infrastructures, endangering lives mm. of both of animals and of humans, 
and it's and it's actually destructive in what it does. It might be good for the environment, you know, because sometimes we do have wildfires where we've got where it's busy doing the environmental thing, mm-hmm. but then the impact on human infrastructure and on 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 livestock and on livelihoods, mm-hmm. okay, is, is not what we want. So we don't want uncontrolled fires, and those are normally referred to as wildfires. Sure. Wow. And I mean, is there no way of assessing risk before we decide where to uh, allocate fires or where to start fires uh, for ecological reasons? Yes, yes, yeah. No, no. Most people will not know and understand, but there's a lot of science and a lot of research mm. that backs up, you know, the wildfire management practice in South Africa. Mm. Um, and a lot of research has been done, and there's a, there's some really. Um, what was the word that I began? There's some good science behind it. Right. There's a lot of experience behind it. So every fire is not necessarily a wildfire, but unfortunately in the fish state, we sit with a, with a fine fuel environment and it, and it ignites very, very easily. And then when in a fine fuel environment, which is grass basically, the fire spreads very, very rapidly, burns extremely quickly, and it's very difficult to contain them. Because they can, they can. Um, in 2021, we had mm-hmm. a, a huge fire event that, within 27 hours, it destroyed 104,000 sure. hectares. In 27 hours, large losses that take place from that. So it can become really, really dangerous uh, under under the wrong conditions. Right. But um, so so it's really difficult, and we really got a long way to go in the free state to make people aware. To get them to join SPAs, to, to capacitate the SPAs with the necessary um, um, uh, um, information, mm. technical knowledge, to assist communities. So it's a, it's a long, hard battle. We will win it. We will, it will get better, but it takes a lot of time, a lot of effort, and a lot of input. And, and we really need to educate right, people right. about wildfires and so forth. Sure, Johan, I am so glad that we're having this conversation. I am so educated right now. You have no idea. I mean, this is absolutely no, seriously, it's it's so enriching because we take for granted the need to be empowered with information around these matters. So let, 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 let me ask a sticky question. So how do how does the uh, eco, eco or how do ecologists work around carbon emissions when it comes to felt fires? I always wonder how do you guys work around that? Yeah, well, look, look, this is all, you know, how are we going to deal with CO2 emissions and everything else? Because here's the problem, you know, of course, is that, that plants, you know, for we, we're talking about carbon, carbon-based <laughs> life form. We're talking right. about yes. carbon, you know, which is there. Plants uses carbon and, and there's obviously a lot of carbon emissions when they burn and, and all that. Right. So, yeah, it is a bit of a sticky issue. Um, because part of the problem also is is that we cannot not allow wildfires. It's a natural process. It's like saying, oh, you know, in order to control flooding, we, we it should stop raining. You know, you know, I mean, you can't do that. <laughs> you can't. No, you can't. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's such a. So, it's a, so there is some research being done. Uh, what we then really need to do is we need to burn at a particular time where this, or, or these things need to be limited so that when burning takes place and we, we have it that we have the lowest possible smoke emission sure. you know, that comes from the But that is just an additional complication to an already complicated matter that we have, you know, to deal with. And, um, and yeah, so you only really start getting um, on top of this 
when we have community buy-in and once people understand mm. that we that we need to manage our fires, our fire risks, and all the associated risks that's with it, and that uh, the community as land users are a key factor in determining all of these things. Mm. Once we can get that done, then we are going to really be on a winning streak because then we've got all a common understanding of our responsibility. Right. So let me tell you a funny-ish story. I've already shared it with the family. And in case you're joining us, my family, this afternoon, it's at three minutes before the top of the hour. And we've got joining us on the line uh, this afternoon, uh, the CEO of the Free State Umbrella Fire Protection Association, Mr. Johan Breitenbach, who is the CEO uh, of the association. Johan, let me share a, a funny-ish story. So about a, f- a week or so, uh, a while back, you know, I was driving home and there was a felt fire. And I mean, I was observing it in the distance and I'm thinking, ah, it's a felt fire. It happens. You, hey, but when I got close, I'm like, ah, man, nah, this thing is coming too close to, to the road, you know, and, and I could literally just see my car bl- burning up in flames. So I started slowing down because I was really, really scared, you know, and I think it was at that moment for me where I realized, no, man. There's a lack of information here by road users around the, the, you know, the science of fire and the safety that needs to be taken. And particularly now for the sake of a free state, which has been flagged as a, a danger zone uh, where felt fires are concerned. Can you just help us understand in an emergency situation, what do we do and what is the general safety uh, precautions that we take when we are in a situation where we feel a little bit endangered by felt fires? Okay, and and, and uh, we're going to do this in terms of, of road users because because otherwise it's going to become quite a wide subject. That we sure, need to cover just here. road users you is know. fine. Okay. Yeah. So so let's talk about road users and what do you do when when there's a felt fire approaching? A very good question because felt fires impact roads in a number of ways. Mm-hmm. First of all, um, you have to understand that that you as a motorist can cause a felt fire. Huh. Okay, that's one. Thing. Okay, <laughs> that, so 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 please. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. We have lots of that happen on, on roads. So as a road user, you need to please, and, and probably the place where you can start is by watching the weather, the weather, the, the South African weather services, the weather channels. Right. When they issue a fire warning, at the end of each bulletin, they will say, and the FDI, the FDI stands for Fire Danger Index. They all go, that indicates to you what is the risk of an extremely, of a wildfire occurring and spreading. In other words, the sure. fire is getting out of control. So there's your first level of awareness. You can already know, look, tomorrow there's potentially a trouble. And adjust what you do according to what the fire danger right, index says. So, right. so that's the first thing. Mm-hmm. So the, the second thing is, is that when you are busy driving and you see that there is a cell fire, most people underestimate it. The first thing that happens with people is they don't realize how the smoky. Mm. The visibility is almost zero. If a felt fire is impacting a road, then what happens, and this is where most of the people die, that's our road users, when a felt fire impacts a road, they drive at, at speed through the smoke, they lose orientation, they slow down or they stop, and then a, a pile-up collision occurs within that felt fire. Mm. Now, mm. just mm. last week, mm. yeah, just last week, outside of Bloemfontein, we had occurrence like that. Five vehicles that piled up into one another. Fifteen patients had to be transported. Two vehicles actually burnt out on the scene. So 
and it wasn't even a very big cell fire. It was just mm. very thick smoke. So, so here's the advice. When you see a cell fire, don't drive through the smoke. Mm. Give mm. it a little bit mm. of a chance. Mm. Stop a good... Don't stop close to the fire because if the wind direction changes, then you can be, you can be put in a position where you are now endangered by the fire. Stop at least 800 meters to a kilometer away from the fire in a place where you would be able to turn around. Okay. Hmm. Don't just drive through the fire. What people don't realize is, is that how hot even a grass fire is, right. when the flame height is a meter and a half, you're talking about 380 to 420 degrees Celsius. Hmm. So hmm. The bigger and the fire, the bigger the flame, the hotter that fire is going to be, and the bigger the kill zone is going to be on that fire. So the advice is, don't drive through the fire, give it a chance, stop, see what is busy happening, make an assessment, and if necessary, find another route around the fire. Johan, I don't even, I am, you should see my face right now. Listen, I am like a child in a candy store. This was absolutely a class social education I don't even know why we've not, I've not had this conversation with you before. But this is exactly where we have to leave it only because of time. But I know I'm not the only one with follow-up questions. I mean, I've got like 17 follow-up questions just from the information that you've given us. So where do we find uh, the association? Are you available to take uh, consultations? If people would like to check in with you, perhaps organizations that would like to invite you for a talk, schools, whatever. Are you available for that sort of thing? Yes, absolutely. It's part of what we like to do because we inform the public. Uh, we can be found. We can contact can be made with us on our Facebook page. Right. So it's super. It's got a Facebook page where we put a lot of information all the time. We can be contacted on our webpage, mm-hmm. za. There is a, a, a place on the, uh, the, uh, on the, the, the website where, where you can actually send in written requests. I am going to refrain from giving my cell phone number because That's what happens <laughs> is that people phone me from all over the province and the country saying, Savage, there's a fire here. And you understand. So it goes a little bit ballistic. So if you would please don't mind, you know, by all means, then like that um, email as well. You can get hold of me on the email, which is chair. Uh, um, yeah, which is chair. In, in other words, the short for chairperson, chair. Mm-hmm at fsufpa.co.za and we would be more than happy to to answer uh, questions and to see how we can make arrangements for for interaction. Let me tell you, Johan, you're exactly the kind of chair and CEO that we want for a fire association. Let me tell you, (laughs) I love how direct you are. Thank you so much for spending your afternoon with us, man. This was absolutely amazing and uh, have a really blessed week ahead. Uh, thank you very much, Ariana. I really appreciate it. And uh, hopefully we'll be chatting again shortly. Absolutely. Have, a, have an awesome one. Thank, thank you, you so much. My family, that was the CEO of the Free State Umbrella Fire Protection Association. Absolutely amazing conversation, Mr. Johan Breitenbach. And bringing us to exactly three after five, we're crossing over now to the latest in the news. That conversation will be podcast. Radiopulpit.co.za. Come live the life at 657 AM. 657 AM. Reach your customers in the car, at the office, at home, or wherever they are, night or day. 
Through advertising with Radio Pulpit, you can reach a large, unique and loyal audience in a most affordable way. With over 500,000 people on our various platforms, from Gauteng to the Cape, you simply cannot go wrong. So advertise today. Contact us on 012-334-1339 or for advertising packages that we offer, go to www.radiopulpit.co.za. Terms and conditions apply. You and 657 AM and Life, a winning team on the road to eternity.